Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You're listening to the QuickBook Reviews podcast. Brighten your day with a book. Hello, my fellow bookworms. This is Philippa from QuickBook Reviews. How are you all? Are you are you okay at the moment? I am. Uh, I can certainly tick the I've had a cup of coffee box and I could also tick the I've had a large quantity of chocolate box. So hopefully we'll be okay today, but, but you never know. Now, there's a lot to cover today. Um, I want to talk about the lovely Facebook group. I've got some great books to talk to you about today. We've got a really interesting interview, something a bit different. Uh, and we do have a, a box unopening, a box unopening, a box opening. See, I had such high hopes that I was going to deliver a quality podcast today and I've already failed. I'm going to be opening up a box, one of these monthly subscription boxes. You keep asking me for them. If you don't want me to do this anymore, please please just tell me. Um, but all the requests are more and more. We want more of these book box openings. So I will keep doing them for as long as you want. Anyway, yeah, we've got some brilliant books to talk to you about. And as I say, a really interesting interview. But first of all, I want to talk about the lovely Facebook group. So if you haven't joined us yet, you'd be very welcome. All you need to do is to go on to Facebook, type in the QuickBook Reviews podcast and you should be able to see see us there. Um, at the moment, we've got David, who's reading The Thursday Murder Club by Richard Osman. We've got Julie, who's reading The Marlowe Murder Club by Robert Thorogood. We've got Rach reading All in Her Head by Nikki Smith. Joe is reading My Cousin Rachel by Daphne du Maurier. Laura's reading The Island by C.L. Taylor. Leslie's reading Homecoming by Susie Steiner. Rowena's reading Away with the Penguin by Hazel Pryor. Kate is reading Noughts and Crosses by Mallory Blackman. Elaine's reading The Shadow Sister by Lucinda Riley. Um, Louise is reading Let Me Lie by Claire McIntosh. I think I'm going to have to lie down after all of these. It's brilliant. Janine's reading Keep Her Quiet by Emma Curtis. Kate is reading The Hunting Party by Lucy Foley. Lauren's reading Twisted by Steve Kavanagh. Anne is reading A Net for Small Fishes um, by Ara Iago. And Laurie's reading uh, The Bryant May England's Finest by Christopher Fowler. Uh, Johan's reading The Darkest Evening by Anne Cleves. And Oshana's reading The Crossing Places by Ellie Griffiths. Lots of books there that we've covered in previous episodes, which is just brilliant. And also lots of other books to be thinking about. Uh, which is just wonderful. So do come and, and join us on that. Now, I'm going to tell you what the books are, all the different books that I'm going to 
review for you today and then we'll come on to the surprise the surprise interview it's just fabulous um so the first book I'm, I will talk to you about when when we've done the interview is called The Jigsaw Man by Nadine Matheson that is a very very good book um The Cutting Place by Jane Casey that is also a very good book um an absolutely remarkable thing by Hank Green that is an absolutely remarkable book, I would say. Quite a, a surprise, wasn't what I was expecting. Um, Red Snow by Will Dean. I listened to that on audiobook. Good book. And finally, The Emperor's Babe by Bernadine Evaristo. So quite a selection there. But now we're going to do the interview. And as I say, this is something quite different. Um, you may remember a while ago we had Phoebe Morgan on, who's um, an editor, works at a, a publishing house, um, very well known, very well qualified and experienced woman. Um, and it was good to talk to her about the role of a publisher and all that's involved. Phoebe, of course, is a, an author as well, but to talk to her about her job as a publisher. And that got such a reaction from people and people were so interested in that. The feedback was great um, that I thought, well, the missing gap is an agent. What does an agent do? How do you contact them? What are they looking out for? What are the highs and lows of being an agent? Is it glamorous? Um, all sorts of things. So here we go. We're going to be talking to Hannah Shepherd. Hannah works at the DHH Literary Agency. Um, they're, I would say, probably one of the newer agencies, but really, really good talent there. A lot of the authors that I'm reading now and enjoying, when I look at who their agent is, it's often the DHH Literary Agency. Um, and that was, of course, founded by David Headley, who also runs Goldsboro Books, a, a very well-known bookshop in London um, with uh, sort of very high quality current books, I, I would say. Um, so there are, if, if I was trying to be with the cool kids, I'd say they're a real hip happening agency. But of course, that does make me sound like I'm 100 years old. So <laughs> probably best that I don't. Anyway, let's talk to Hannah. Well, it's good to have you on, my goodness. So you, in my mind, you are, you're a major agent, you're working at a major agency. It sounds very glamorous, is it? <laughs> Does it feel like that? <laughs> there are definitely times when I've been doing the job where it has felt quite glamorous. I think less so in the age of COVID, where we're all sat in our bedrooms doing all yeah. work. Yeah. Um, and, you know, on a general day-to-day -day basis, even in normal times, possibly not. But, you know, there are there are definitely high points. Yeah, well, it seems very glamorous to me. I mean, OK, let's go back, first of all, sort of to prove your your incredible pedigree. You're, you're an English graduate. You worked at Macmillan um, at Headline and then you joined the what we call it the DHH Literary Agency. But yeah. it, it was founded by David Headley and you joined that in 2013. Is that home for you now? Does, do you feel? Yeah, it really feels like home. Um, I feel very lucky. My colleagues are all lovely and supportive. And obviously, David Headley runs Goldsboro Books. So it's a yeah. very bookish, you know, everyone who works in the vicinity is inc an incredibly passionate about books and the world of literature. So yeah, I, I love working there. And that's what it's all about. Because as readers, we, we're passionate about books. So it's lovely to see that sort of 
follow through. And for me, in very simple terms, um, an agent is sort of what gets a book from the writer to the publisher. But that sounds too simple, I know. It must be a lot more to it than that. That's kind of the very start of the journey. Yeah. So yes, we we are there to spot the talent and present it in a marketable way that will make a publisher pick it up. Uh, but even on an ongoing basis, you know, we're negotiating the contract, we're strategizing with the author about what they want their career to look like and what the next steps might be. And we're also there as the publishing process progresses so that if there are issues we can step in or we can you know help explain to the author why something might be happening and just keeping an eye on the process to make sure it's all going as we hoped. Yeah so it's a longer term project it's not a relationship it's not just oh here you go yeah. here's the publisher. Yeah I'm definitely looking for authors who are going to have a long career with me. Yes yes and, and work together on it I mean is there anything that your agency does differently because in my mind I, I regard the agency as really having it's all good quality authors that you have there there's no chaff in the wheat <laughs> and we it's, an, so. <laughs> it's an agency that writers you know want want to to be taken up with to to join but um it, would you say is there anything that that the agency does differently I think we have been quite conscious of trying to reach out and open the industry up a bit more than it has been you know we've been doing um the pitch dhh sessions since 2017 and we took our pitches on the road to york in 2018 so we have been trying to find authors in sort of non-conventional ways not just waiting for writers to find us and yes um but beyond that you know i i I think it is the passion for books and possibly the addition of the bookshop that helps make it feel very boutique and passionate. Yeah, so you've you have you have reached out and and you're really looking for diversity in authors as well and you yeah. you know you've been offering a lot of support which which is good to see. It's not just crime though. I mean you particularly specialize in mid-grade YA and strong fiction is is that correct? Uh, commercial adult fiction. So I do crime thrillers and women's fiction mostly. Um, and then, yeah, uh, children's fiction from middle grade through to YA. So do you ever get someone who comes to you and, and in their mind say it's a YA book and because you've got all the areas, you can actually say, well, I see it as a YA, but actually it could work better as a, a, an adult a crime? Uh, there are, I mean, possibly more within children's there are people who don't quite get the markets right and what they think is middle grade is actually YA and vice versa adult to children's and YA doesn't necessarily cross over that much but very occasionally if the child voice feels like it has particular adult appeal then then that can work yes that's true I suppose a, a YA book predominantly is the the voice of of the young adult so yeah. it would it would be more challenging to turn that that into an adult one but with any book for me it's about how much I'm grabbed by that book and how much it it yeah. pulls me in is that the same for you when you're reading submissions yeah for me I I mean I have to fall in love with the writing and the book I think when I'm looking at submissions it's a combination of the pitch that comes in the submission letter and whether I can see that market appeal combined with the writing and fall in love with that. 
it's not just the words of the book itself that's sent sent to you but it's it's the whole package it's how yeah. the author sees it pitching in yeah and or or how I could if I if I don't think they've quite got it right or haven't quite picked the best avenue how I could see it working but I have to have that kind of commercial vision for the book in order to take it on and so to all those hopeful authors out there passes from agents aren't necessarily a sign that your book isn't working or is bad in any way so try not to take them too personally because it it very much has to be the right book for me at that moment in order yes. to be sort of confident that I could place it with a publisher. So putting it into context how how many submissions do you get in my mind it's it's millions you know arriving. It sometimes feels like millions. <laughs> um, I, I've been sort of keeping an eye on it because I get asked this a lot and I think I get between five and ten a day every day including weekends and <gasps> Christmas. And, oh gosh. Uh, so yes. Do you suggest people finish their book because I know submissions normally are just the initial chapters but you want yeah, to know that the book is done yeah it sort of it needs to be finished and it, it, more than just you finished your first draft you need to have gone back to it and worked on it don't send a first draft yeah that's a, that's another thing I've been learning as, I, as I've done this podcast in my mind you write a book you know you you, you press you type in the end and, and you can sit back and that's it but it, it's not like no. that is it? <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> even after you've got an agent it's not like that and then there'll be more changes when you've got an editor so, yeah. and it's accepting that and knowing that that's part of the journey that yeah probably make it easier and no one's trying to change what your book is in any sort of fundamental way they're just trying to help you make your book the best it can be which is which is all good and that's what any I suppose commercial author and should yeah. bear in uh, bear in mind what would you say are the big themes or the big genres at the moment what what's sticking out for you everyone's crying out for uplift and more cheerful <laughs> propositions um Why? Why I could wonder? That be? no idea <laughs> um so yeah that that's definitely sort of where my attention is focused in terms of my submission pile but i think i think more than sort of trends because almost if you're writing to a trend you've missed it um mm. I think it's important to really hone in on what that kind of unique selling point of your book is and making sure your hook is as strong as possible because the books that do really well are the ones that you can pitch really quickly and really succinctly and that grab attention and so making sure that you've worked on that is possibly the key rather than thinking yeah. about trends Yes, I suppose this elevator pitch again is, is yeah. so useful. E even when I'm writing about a book on Twitter, you know, that there aren't many um, words you can fit in on Twitter. Yeah. And, and yet you want to tell people about the book. So, yes, it, it makes sense. If you meet someone, so say if someone's coming to do a pitch to you, can you tell when they walk in do you get a feeling of this this could be good or are you always surprised I no I don't think you can tell whether something's going to be good uh I will say very anecdotally that it's probably more likely to be good if the author is unsure of it the ones who come and are absolutely convinced they've written the next bestseller <laughs> rarely live up to their own hype but yeah Yes, and they're probably the ones that are more difficult to edit as well. Go possibly yeah. going on. Oh gosh, how, how interesting! Um, so, which is harder? Would you say is it getting new authors, good new authors, or is it getting more books out of 
existing authors? Uh, I think it's finding the new authors um, mm. because a lot of that is the sort of synchronicity and timing and submission appearing at the time when I feel I could sell it. Yeah. Um, and when someone comes to you with a book and you think, yes, this could work, do you almost immediately know which publisher it would be best to go to? I definitely have a sense of there are there are definitely editors who I have worked with in the past or who, who I've had near misses who I sort of am very confident of their taste and publishers who are you know working in the area that this book sits but I I wouldn't say that I could necessarily pinpoint it down to the exact publisher. No. Does it help when people are submitting and, and they have more of a social media profile is that unfortunately part of the world we're, we're living in? Uh, I mean, it is it is definitely a useful thing if using social media is something that you feel comfortable with. So I think if if Twitter feels like your natural home and you love talking about books, then be on Twitter talking about the books that you've read and loved and engaging with the writing community there. And the writing community there is incredibly supportive and it's a great place to be. Mm. If that feels like a major chore and you hate every second of it, then don't force yourself to do it because it's not going to be the thing that makes me turn a book down. No. Okay. Well, that's that's reassuring. Um, I'm certainly seeing from the number of interviews I do that it seems to be an increased number of people planning their book, less sort of pantsers and more planners. But I don't know if that's just because of the authors I'm interviewing. What do you see? I think... I I definitely think there's a sort of element of both but I think once you're into a relationship with an agent and even more so once you've got a deal I think there sort of has to be a bit more planning because there are other people who need to know what it is that's coming next Mm. and so you have to have a bit more of a sense of what it is that you're going to be writing so much of the work needs doing sort of before the manuscript appears. So your first book might have been more seat of your pants and in your own time. But once you if, if you're lucky enough to, to get an agent and a publisher, by the time the second book, it needs to be a little bit more yeah. laid out. What would you say are the most common mistakes people make when submitting? Not pitching the book. I get so many letters that are simply, this is the first thing I've written. I hope you like it. And it's really hard to know whether you like something while you're sort of trying to work out what it is it's really useful to know what the author thinks they've written so that you can check whether they're successful at it um and and also you know the more you do in placing the book in the market the easier it is for me to see how I could expand on that and how I could elaborate for the publisher and so often those first notes in a submission letter carry through all the way through the pitching so yes it's the pitch is in, is important. You need to be able to set out what you think is the market for your book. Yeah. But presumably you don't want everyone saying, oh, it's the next Harry Potter. Or... <laughs> no, definitely not that. <laughs> uh, but, you know, just I think it I think in the pitch and the submission letter, you need to be hitting who your character is, what their goal is or, you know, what it is they're trying to achieve in the novel and what's at stake if they don't achieve it because they're the key elements that will make me as a reader care about your character and it's when I care about a character and what what their problem is that I want to know what happens and 
that's how you get people to pick up a book in a book well that that makes sense I, I mean I used to think writing was either you make mega bucks um and can retire off to the south of France immediately and not have to do anything or you know or, or, or you make very little but there seems to be many more layers than that there are obviously those authors making mega bucks and that's lovely but it's not the story for everyone and I think when you're starting out it can feel particularly hard and there is often not a lot of money around um mm. but it's often cumulative so the more you write the more you have sort of ticking away earning your money without you really doing anything else so keeping going is often the key yes so for people who are thinking oh gosh I want to write a book but haven't possibly started yet um do you like to have seen people that have gone on courses and sort of learnt the art of writing or is it more just an, an original sort of force within themselves? I, I think either is fine. Uh, I think if you have been on courses and gone to festivals and sought out writing groups and things like that, then it shows a dedication to your craft and it shows that you're serious about this. But some people don't need that and find their way yes. to a publishing deal without it. So, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily spend a fortune on courses until you get to the point where you feel like you might need it because you're not getting anywhere unless you particularly enjoy doing courses <laughs> yes yeah that that's a good point it, it, it shouldn't be automatic it, at the end when you've finished the book again do you find it helpful if someone has had their book already edited by another person or should it just be them going through it editing in themselves i would definitely recommend being part of a writer's group or having sort of some trusted beta readers who you read their book, they read your book and you give feedback so that it has had a second eye. I wouldn't necessarily recommend paying for an edit until, you know, if you've submitted to 50 agents and they've all just given you a form rejection, then that might be the time to think about a paid assessment um, just mm. to see whether there's something obvious that you're missing. Yes, and that's a great idea and people could easily do that, form their own group and there's a yeah. there's a respect and trust there that you someone's not going yeah, to write writers groups i think are really useful for feedback yeah okay great and um just a couple more questions are there any sort of common assumptions people have about publishers that uh, that we could dispel here here and now oh, that we all sit around all day reading yeah. <laughs> that <laughs> would be the dream nothing all day <laughs> <laughs> um I think in the past there has been a sense that it's all long boozy lunches but mm. there's definitely not much of that around anymore and yeah the reading is often in our own time so not so much of that the offices office hours are very much meetings does it actually take away the pleasure of books because you're having to do that uh, no not yet luckily <laughs> 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 good and what's next for you I mean what's uh just keep on like, looking at submissions or what yeah, do you I've got an exciting announcement that will be coming soon but I'm not allowed to talk about it yet Ooh. um yeah look my authors are all doing lots of brilliant things always on the lookout for new authors great so if someone's got got the book work on it get it to the best edit it get get your writers group to check it and and then work on the pitch as well and yeah. 
and don't get too caught up as you say in what what the current genre is if it's a good yeah. book perfect well and if somebody wants to um make a submission hannah how how would they go about that so on our website which is dhhliteraryagency.com you will find my agent page and that has the instructions and the email address there will also be profiles of our other agents in case your work is more suited to one of fantastic well hannah thank you so much for joining me today it's been really interesting and i appreciate your time great to chat wasn't that interesting just to find out more about what goes on and um the the very hard work that they have to do and the number of submissions Um, and if you think that's just coming into one agent uh, as an agency they must have so much traffic so many emails with different books to to consider Um, so yes that was Hannah Shepherd from the DHH Literary Agency there we go something different now we're here about good books and this is a good book. I'm going to say it now. This is a 10 out of 10. I don't normally say what the score will be, do I, until later in the week. And I put that on to the social media. But I'm, I'm saying it. it's a 10 out of 10. So this book, I was on. Sorry, can you hear me? I'm holding the book. Um, it's just fabulous. So I heard about this book and this author when I was watching the Locked Up Festival last year now uh, that Luca Vesti and Steve Kavanagh uh, ran and it was really good Um, and they were doing a session on sort of new talent, new crime writers and who to look out for and Nadine sounded like she really knew what she she was talking about. Um, She came across really well so I ordered the book and thought nothing of it and then suddenly in February this book arrived and I thought, gosh, I'd ordered that ages ago. I thought it was coming out, you know, weeks after. Um, but no, I believe it's been delayed. And if so, it's, it's a shame. But f- fear not, the book is here now. You can get it. So it's called The Jigsaw Man. Um, OK, let's read the blurb before before I tell you why I, why I love it. There's a serial killer on the loose. When bodies start washing up along the banks of the River Thames, D.I. Henley fears it is the work of Peter Olivia, the notorious jigsaw killer. But it can't be him. Olivia is already behind bars and Henley was the one who put him in there. The race is on before more bodies are found. She hoped she'd never have to see his face again, but Henley knows Olivia might be the best chance they have at stopping the copycat killer. But when Olivia learns of the new murders, helping Henley is the last thing on his mind. Will it take a killer to catch the killer? Now all bets are off and the race is on to catch the killer before the body count rises. But who will get there first, Henley or the Jigsaw Killer? So this is a book that, well, for me, just grabs you straight away. It's I was concerned when it arrived because it's talking about how Peter Olivier is the, is the new Hannibal Lecter um, and that, that it's quite... Uh, it's quite dark, you know, have you got the stomach for the jigsaw man? And I'm not good with scary books. Now, maybe I'm just getting more tolerant of it. But this, yes, there are some obviously horrible crimes committed, but it didn't stop me from really enjoying the book. And I tell you why. I tell you why. Why is that, Philippa? Because I'm talking to myself now. Oh, dear, that's that's where we are. It's because of the characters. And it's something that a number of authors do really well. I know I talk a lot about Eddie Griffiths um, and M.W. Um, Craven, but there, there's us. These characters are just 
joyfully presented. And I felt that was exactly the same with Jigsaw Man, um, that they're characters that you understand, well, some of them, and and you care about or you really don't want to have to care about them. You're just involved and they're sort of 3D characters. So you yes, you have the excellent crime going on that you that needs to be solved and needs to be resolved, but you've also got these very interesting characters. And as I say, I just think it was brilliant. Okay, if you're only into cozy crime, if anything any tv after you know eight o'clock at night is is not for you then this book probably won't be for you um but i would just say don't necessarily be put off by thinking it's something really really too much for example i remember being put off by the puppet show um mw craven's first book mike craven's first book in the series of uh Washington and Poe and because I thought gosh that just that looks too scary it's too much it's it's is it more of a Stephen King Uh, and I just thoroughly enjoyed it because again the characters won it for me I wasn't I wasn't worried I wasn't caught up I wasn't not sleeping at night anxious about the crimes it was the characters that that I was caring about so yeah absolutely phenomenal um and uh, if this doesn't continue into a series um I will be very upset and I'll just have to eat even more chocolate so that that's no good for anybody is it so please can we have lots more of these um that, so that's the jigsaw man by Nadine Matheson absolutely brilliant um and here's another one see I'll put that one down and get the next one that I thought was really good I'm going to rip off a post-it note see all these sound effects you couldn't ask for more really could you so the cutting place by Jane Casey finally got round to reading this I um acquired this book oh is it nearly 12 months ago Um, It must be at least 12 months ago, actually. And it was when we went into the first lockdown. Can we remember that, everyone? And there was this rumour that there would be no books, that the publishers weren't able to publish books, printers weren't able to print books, and, and there would be no books. Well, it's fair to say that I went into a slight panic at that time. And I may have acquired a few, a few books. Let's leave it there. Let's let's not have any witnesses to the crime that took place. Well, it wasn't a crime. Well, the crime was, yes, my bank balance. Um, but yes, I acquired a lot of books. And The Cutting Place was one that I saw in different media as a great book, a really good read. So I thought, great, let, let's get this. When it arrived, I then realised it was part of a series and really far on. I'm thinking number 16. I don't think it can be number 16 in the series, but it's quite far on. It's not number 16. It's about nine in the series. So there we go. What what do I know? Um, But it's so far on. I thought, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I can I get into a series when it's that well established. And I'm not sure. And I don't know why it was that I picked this up. But let's just say you can. You can get into it. You really can when it's as good as this. Okay. So the blurb is this. You've got to be in the club to know the truth. Everyone's heard the rumours about elite gentlemen's clubs where the champagne flows freely, the parties are the height of decadence and the secrets are darker than you could possibly imagine. 
DS Maeve Kerrigan finds herself in an unfamiliar world of wealth, luxury and ruthless behaviour when she investigates the murder of a young journalist, Paige Hargreaves. Paige was working on a story about the Chiron Club, a private society for the richest and most privileged men in London. Then she disappeared. It's clear to Maeve that the members have many secrets, but Maeve is hiding secrets of her own, even from her partner, D.I. Josh Derwent. Will she uncover the truth about Paige's death or will time run out for Maeve first? So, again, as I say, I thought this was a really good book. Um, and I there was something that I put on Facebook about, oh, I really enjoyed this book. You know, sh should I um, go back to the beginning or how should I catch up on all these books? that I've missed out about these great characters. And someone came back to me immediately, or quite a few actually, to say, you need to go back. The characters develop so well. Start with the very first one. There are Facebook groups um, that are fans of Jane Casey once you're up to date. It was just glorious. People really care about these books and care about the author. And fabulous. That's a sign that there's something good there. Um, and what did I like about it? I liked the the sort of uh, who done it. It's it's a crime thriller, I would say, um, but it's sort of who who's at fault, what's going to happen. But it's also again the characters, and that I cared about the characters, and that I wanted to know how they'd got to where they are in this book and what was their history. So, yes, I have already purchased the first in the series. Let let's not tell any tales. It's happened. And I can imagine I'm going to be buying the rest in the series and reading those. So prepare yourselves, dig in, because just just as I mentioned the name Ellie Griffiths a billion times, I'm probably going to be mentioning the name Jane Casey a billion times as well. So there we go. So we've had The Jigsaw Man and The Cutting Place, two exceptional books. Um, so the next one is something quite different. So prepare yourselves, OK? So this is, it's a lovely blue coloured book and it's called An Absolutely Remarkable Thing by Hank Green. It It is YA uh, and, and this is a blurb. I've read this out to you before when I was looking at different books that I should be reading. But so just bear with me. Um, in New York City at 3am, April May stumbles across a giant sculpture like a 10 foot tall transformer wearing a suit of samurai armour. Together with her best friend Andy, she names it Carl and films a quick video for YouTube. The next day, April wakes up to a viral sensation and a new life. The Carls have appeared in dozens of cities around the world and April seizes the opportunity to become their international spokesperson. She gains an army of followers, but is being famous really worth putting her relationships, her safety and even her own identity at risk. Now all eyes are on April to figure out not just what the Carls are, but what they want from us before it's too late. Um, I thought it was a really interesting book. I've A lot of it I was sort of mesmerised by and wanting to read more to find out what happened. About, I don't know, two thirds, three quarters of the way through, I did lose I didn't lose interest. I just lost attention a little bit. But that could have been to do with the fact that I was having to I was having to put the book down to do other things. Can you believe it's just wrong, really, isn't it? Family, work, all sorts. Um, and for me, when that happens too much, I, I do lose commitment. I do lose the pace with the book. Um, but it's fair to say that I got back into it because the minute I finished the book, Yes, I went on and ordered the next one. 
in in that series that that's only just come out. Um, so I don't know actually if it is a series, but it, the follow up. Um, so clearly I must have liked it because yeah, then the next book is here. Um, I want to know what what happens. I I want to know more about it. So yeah, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the use of social media in it. Um, I enjoy there's an agent in there as well. Oh, that's a theme for today. Uh, there's an agent in this book that's an interesting character. Um, it's got this sort of a bit of sci-fi with these culls arriving and what are they about and all of that. And um, and to see how different countries around the world deal with the same problem. Oh, we could uh, we could reflect that to, to another situation, couldn't we? But but we won't. Um, so, yeah, I thought I enjoyed it. If you're open to reading different things, if you're happy to read a bit of YA and why not, then I I. I think you would enjoy it. It's certainly different. Uh, and if you've got teenagers who are saying they haven't got anything to read, then an absolutely remarkable thing by Hank Green could well be worth having a look at. So there we go. That's uh, the third book. And now we're going to come on to the fourth book. And this one is called Red Snow by Will Dean. Um, it's the second one in, in the series. Um, I really enjoyed the first one, which is called Dark Pines. Um, and this is the second one. I listened to it on audiobook. And, uh, well, let's let's read the blurb. Two bodies, one suicide, one cold-blooded murder. Are they connected? And who's really pulling the strings in the small Swedish town of Gavrik? Two coins. Black Grimberg licorice coins cover the murdered man's eyes. The hashtag ferryman starts to trend as local people stock up on ammunition. Two weeks. Tuva Muddison, deaf reporter at the local paper, has a fortnight to investigate the deaths before she starts her new job in the south. A blizzard moves in. Residents already terrified feel increasingly cut off. Tuva must go deep inside the Grimberg factory to stop the killer before she leaves town for good. But who's to say the ferryman will let her go? Um, the, oh gosh, the audiobook is is really well narrated. Um and it felt I, I could just feel that the cold atmosphere, the the freezing coming through, the snow. If you, I felt quite isolated listening to it, um, and it helped me get all the pronunciation of the names right. Uh, now I'm not a fan of licorice. Or I'll say that straight away. Licorice, you know, why would you waste your calories on licorice when you could have chocolate? Anyway, if I ever like licorice, this book, I think, has put me off completely. Um, so there was that. It had a great sort of, well, I'm not, it, it, it was very interesting, the curve of the sort of who done it, why done it. Um, and certainly I want to read the next book. So it was very well done. And Will Dean, you know, we, we we know we've had Will on before, very accomplished author. And this was a really interesting one. Um, I, I don't know if I would read the next book, actually read it rather than listen to it on audiobook. I'm not sure because I did get a bit scared at one point. Um, but that's that's just me and my imagination. But yeah, I really enjoyed that one. Glad I'd, I'd listened to that. And then the final book, Get Me, Bernadine Everisto, The Emperor's Babe. Now, this was sort of winning for me on so many levels because it's written as verse. So let's do the blurb first of all. 
scroll back 1800 years to Londinium AD 211 and slip down the side of Grace Church Street. Here roams a back alley beauty, a Nubian knockout with tangled hair and bare feet. Zulika is a reluctant teenage bride with no idea about true love. She's too busy sneaking out with the slave girls and drag queens until one day she captures the eye of the most powerful man on earth, Emperor Septimus, and the trouble really starts. Silver-tongued and merry-eyed, this is a tale to make the muses themselves roar with laughter and weep for pity. The Emperor's Babe sings a song of womanhood and of survival in this thrilling, brutal, breathless world. OK, so I love verse. Um, I love this fiction. I love reading a whole book. I just think it's a glorious way to tell a story. And I was keen to read more books by Bernadine Everisto. And it was one that I felt I felt quite clever holding and reading. Um, and I was actually able It's a purple book. And I was actually having a purple bath while reading the purple book. So I felt very righteous while reading this one. Um, I I enjoyed it, but I didn't love it. But I think that is entirely my fault. And as I'm saying this, I'm literally banging the book against my head. I just think I was in the place where I just wanted crime thrillers. I needed a mystery. I need something that I wanted to be resolved. And there are mysteries and there are things that you want to be resolved. But I just I didn't care enough about the characters to really get immersed in the story. I finished it. it it's one that um, I would suggest to some people. It's quite rude in places. Um, so if you if you don't like the racy, then then not for you. Um, but yeah, I thought it, I thought it was a, a really interesting book and, and any problems with it were entirely mine, I would say. But um, it's always good to have some different type of books, I think, to read. And, and I think certainly think we've covered it today. So we just to recap before we go and open this lovely book box, um, we've had Hannah Shepherd. Uh, on from the DHH Literary Agency, thanks to her. We've talked about the wonderful The Jigsaw Man by Nadine Matheson, uh, The Cutting Place by Jane Casey, An Absolutely Remarkable Thing by Hank Green, Red Snow by Will Dean, and lastly, The Emperor's Babe by Bernadine Everisto. So, I think that's everything. Shall we, shall we open the book box? Now, if you have lasted this long and Open, me waffling on like a child about opening book boxes is not your thing. Who can blame you? Not me. And just stop now and we'll see each other next week. If you've got the time and the energy and the inclination, then stay on and we'll open the box now. Right, so here we go. So this is the Book Box Club. Uh, they do a monthly subscription box. This, I believe, is February's box. So I've held off uh, opening that just to make sure I don't spoil it for anybody. If for some reason you've had February's box and you haven't opened it, stop stop me waffling on. Go and open it and then and then come back. But otherwise, right, let, let's get stuck into this. Um, so it's this lovely, I never know what the colour is, Aquamarini will go for today, uh, box. And it says, prepare to be unashamedly bookish, which is great as far as I'm concerned because I'm fine with that. Um, and so we're opening it up. Ah, right, okay. And the theme is Sisters of the Coven. Oh, that sounds a bit right. OK, well, well, we'll go through it. So on the top is an envelope with my name on, spelled correctly. Thank you very much. And it says, open me last. And that's the clubhouse invite. So then you can go on in a 
in a month or two's time and meet the author. And next is wrapped up the book. And it's wrapped up in this glorious sort of um, paper. It's like you've put paint in, in oil or something and moved it around. It's, it just looks absolutely gorgeous and tied with this silver thread. So here we go. What will the book be? It's quite a thick book. Can I open it? Can you hear that? I, I'm sorry, but oh, it's not one book. No, we've got two books. Oh, how wonderful. So sorry about all the noise. Hmm, okay, this is... This looks a bit strange, but there we go. Right. Okay. Hmm. Um, can you can you hear my excitement like crashing down again? The first one is called All Our Hidden Gifts by Caroline O'Donoghue. Um, Maeve Chambers doesn't hold any special gifts. That is until she finds a dusty old pack of tarot cards. Uh, you see, that's not my thing at all. So I'm probably going to have to pass that book on did you hear me just put that on the ground the next one we played with fire the spirit sisters the spirit talking fox sisters await you yeah no so actually for the first time ever that's two books that i will not be reading at all Dara is not my thing so let's see what goodies we've got to have some lovely goodies though please please let there not be tarot cards in here <laughs> i'm gonna freak out right what have we got Oh, no, we've got. Oh, great. That's lovely. It's um, a file, um, it's a lever arch file. Shall I open it and try and trap my fingers? There we go. That's a lever arch file there, which is a very nice. I like that. But it's quite a small one. So you'd have small pieces of paper to go in that. Hmm. OK, what's this tiny tarot deck? No, sorry, not having that. Thank you very much. See, <laughs> this isn't a good one. Oh, there's some earrings, though. Now, I love this. These are beautiful. These are heart. They're green with sort of gold on as well. They are absolutely gorgeous. So they're yeah, these green heart designs with some a bit of gold leaf on. Um, and those are absolutely beautiful. I would definitely wear those. So I'm very happy about that. That's good. Um, then what have we got? Oh, yeah, see, I don't like... OK, um, so the, this is some coffee, which is lovely. Always up for coffee, but it's witch's brew coffee, which again isn't my sort of thing. Um, but never mind. Oh, no. And then there's a, a wooden spoon. This is definitely not my month at all. See, this was supposed to be a really fun, joyful unopening. And it's just me sounding like I don't like all of this sort of stuff. But let's be honest, I don't like all this sort of stuff. Um, but never mind. So then we've got um, this book, Unchosen, by Catherine Blair, and it's a sampler of that. Um, a thrill ride from start to end. This book captivated me with deadly stakes, breathtaking romance and unforgettable characters. Well, there's no mention of tarot cards in that, so I'm all in for that. That sounds fine. So what else do we have? Oh, this is something to go in the file and it's a recipe. So it's a recipe book. OK, I can live with that. Lavender shortbread biscuit. Mm. Like shortbread, like lavender. Not necessarily in the same. I'm sounding awful today, aren't I? Maybe having a coffee and a bar of chocolate is a really bad idea before I record this podcast. But anyway, there we go. There's a lovely recipe for that. Um, and then there's a leaflet advertising a similar service that they do. Um, on this basis, but for mid-grade 
readers. So sort of age eight to 12. So, yes, normally I'm astounded and astonished, but I'm, I'm just a little bit disappointed with that one. But I can imagine that a lot of people are very pleased and there you go. It's just me. Um, so if if you are a fan, you you and you know me, you might be getting some of those things through. I'm scratching my head. I'm just yes, a bit disappointed with that. That's very sad. Never mind. Onwards and upwards, because next week we have wow, we have an author to talk to. I'm so pleased to be able to talk to. Her. I'm not going to tell you who it is. Going to keep it as a surprise. So I think my wow went very loud. Then I can see it looking like uh, it. it a bit of a shout but it, it's going to be very exciting to talk to us so I'm keen about that I've got some great books to talk to you about and hopefully we we will put this book box opening behind us and we'll have better times next week anyway just take care of yourselves look after yourselves and I'll see you again very soon take care now bye bye you've been listening to the quick book reviews podcast that's enough books said no one ever. See you again soon. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.